1: I want to bring you a message this morning entitled, This is Good. This is good. If you would, just open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. Well, as you're turning there, let me just say thank you for the way you've been responding to this series. It's been amazing what God has been doing, and just so blessed. Uh, The response not only from our church here, but the response from all the broadcast, and just so thankful for the way that God is taking this message so much further. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. Let's bow our heads and then we'll dive right in. Father, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for this chance to speak to this group of people on this topic. I pray that you will speak to us and through us. And Lord, that you will change our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28 reads like this And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And are called according to his purpose. Again, we know God causes everything, everything. Come on, say that with me. Everything, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And I believe this to be true. You know, here this year, we've asked God to do some amazing things. I've asked some of you to begin to to pray with me a very specific prayer for our church. First Chronicles chapter four, verse number 10 says, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil and that I might not cause pain. And as we've been praying this prayer, uh, something has been changing. As we've been praying, we've been thinking about more parking spaces, more opportunities for our church as we've grown now into these multiple services and as we are asking God to do some really amazing things. But when you have a ministry that is touching places around the world and, and God is using you to go places that you could have never dreamed possible, and you ask God to enlarge your territory, I suppose that you should not expect to only have more parking at home, but we should expect that, that God was going to open things around the world. And we we have some opportunities to, to change lives in a way that I, I could have never imagined. You see, there were some unintended consequences to our prayer. And that's what I want to talk to you about for just a moment is the law of unintended consequences. Simply put, the outcome of our actions have unintended consequences that are beyond our ability to control. Beyond our ability to predict that when I do something, something is going to happen. You know, have you ever had one of those moments where you can, you know, you think it's going to go one way, but then you speak and it comes out another way to the person you're trying to communicate to. I, I know I've had a lot of those in my marriage for sure. But there's, you see, everything we do has a different kind of consequence. The The unforeseen consequences fall into three categories. First, the unexpected benefits. Let me say that again for you. The unexpected benefits. These are the pluses. These are the things that for whatever reason this happened when you did this, this came through, you bought this and it showed up with a a second one unexpected. It's a buy one get one and you didn't even know it and, and man, it's awesome and that was an unexpected benefit. Then an unexpected drawback that you had no clue that by doing this, this was going to occur. And so you you entered into this unexpected drawback which are the side effects that there's, you know, you see that, uh, you know, when you see those commercials, this this medicine might might, uh, stop you from itching, but it might also kill you, you know, the side effects, the unexpected side effects, you know, uh, uh, if you want to deal with, uh, you know, your graying hair, then, you know, it'd be great, but this might also cause you to lose all your hair. That's an unexpected side effect. And then third, the perverse results, the perverse results, you see, this is when your original intention bites you in the back of the hand, when you you could just see it being a good opportunity. And that's why we often say, why do the people we help the most hurt us the deepest? Because you see it one way, but but for whatever reason, you, you went out of your way to, to help someone. And then it, it went further and further and further and further. I, I remember a commercial that you know someone just spoke to someone kindly. And then before long, that person, you know, follow them around and has them blocked in a corner, telling them all the problems of their life. That was a, a perverse result. They thought they would just be kind for just a moment, but then it flipped around. You see, we all deal with these unforeseen uh consequences. It's the law of unintended consequences. Proverbs 16 and 9 tells us that we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. That there that in our life that that we think we're headed somewhere, but it always has a way of turning us in a different direction, and that it's God's sovereignty that is turning us in that direction. You know, we're not called to be driven along by the winds of circumstance. Our job is to use every day and every circumstance for the glory of God. That's who we are. That's what we're supposed to do, to use every day for the glory of God, trusting that in fulfilling our purpose he will fulfill his promise that when I engage in what God has called me to do, when I begin to do exactly what God has chosen me to do, that at that moment that I will begin to unleash the ability for God to do what he wants to do. And I think that's what's holding a lot of us back. We're we're being held back because we're, we're spending way too much time uh, trying to figure out what God wants us to do and begging God for his promise to be fulfilled. But within all of us, there is a kingdom purpose that can be unleashed by the transforming of our, of our lives into line with God's will. Somebody said, I don't know what God wants me to do. My answer is very simple. I always say, do what God told you to do last until you know what God wants you to do next. And so important and so imperative. You see, an important point to remember about the fulfillment of God's promises on your life and the promise for your good, that God is going to turn whatever it is. I mean, you ought to just say that with me, this is good. I mean, this is good that God's going to turn everything for your good. But here's something I want you to notice that when it does turn for your good, it is rarely going to be what you wanted it to be. It's rarely going to look like the thing that you thought it would look like. You had hoped it would go this way, but then it comes out another way. I I found this people say is, is your life and the ministry and the things God has you doing, is it what you thought it would be, what you dreamed it would be? And I, I just shake my head and I say, no, it's never uh, even close to what I thought it would be. Uh, It's beyond what I could have ever imagined. And, and God has a plan for you, but I, I know other times in my life that I begged God for something. I I remember one time that Christine and I we we were so desperate for our first home, and there was this home that we we felt like we could handle and we could afford, and you know we were church planners and we didn't have hardly anything, and we didn't know how to move forward, and we begged and begged to God, asking God for the the, the chance to to buy this home, and and we didn't get it, and we felt so like, well, what did we do wrong? Why do we miss the will of God? But and my dad spoke to me. And he said, son, that house is not adequate for It's not big enough for two people. And it, it, it was a very it was about the size of a garage, honestly. And he said, you know, you you don't that's not what you need. You're going to be entertaining people. And and the home we, we did move into was very moderate and, and and was well within our means. And and I honestly was much more uh, adequate and probably three times the size of that. The garage size little home and, and not that the size of a home matters, but it was it was the point was God was Working for our good in that moment, but we thought we knew what the good was going to be. But God was working for us so much better and I want you to understand that God's working for you so much better than you could have imagined you know for example Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers can you imagine that moment that you know he's just coming across the hill and he's thinking man you know I'm out here and this is great to be out of home and I've had this adventure and 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 he he suddenly is taken by his brothers and they're going to kill him and, and one of them says no just throw him in the pit and and then while he's gone the other brothers take him out of the pit strip him down sell him as a slave. And as Joseph has been sold into slavery, what he's praying for, the good that he's praying for, was probably very simple, that his father would find him. Well, he's in that pit. He's, he's praying his father would find him while he's being drugged across the desert. He's praying that his father would find him. I mean, he prayed that somehow he'd get to go home. That was the good that he saw. He dreamed of being freed to walk back into the camp. I mean, imagine how many times he played in his mind that as he walked back into the camp, his father would see the truth and he would expose his brothers for the hypocrites and traitors they were. And I mean, that was the good he had imagined. And then the good that he wanted was, simply to be released from prison after he had been accused of a crime that he didn't commit. And the good then, it, it multiplied. I, I not only want to be justified, I, I want to go home. And, and then probably those two kind of conflicted in the beginning, and then he got back to that simple good of, I, I just want to go home. But finally, in Genesis chapter 50, and verse number 20, he says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. He brought me to this place so that I I could be exactly where I'm supposed to be. You see this, I want you to get this point today. Joseph just wanted to go back to be a shepherd, but God had positioned him to be a savior. In Joseph's mind, he just wanted to go home. That God said, I have a plan for you that is above and beyond what you could ask or think. You see, when we act to bring glory to God in our lives, we are bringing what Jesus describes as the kingdom of heaven to earth. When we really want to honor God, no matter what the circumstance is, and we're trusting God to do the right thing for us, we are doing exactly what God wants. We are bringing his will to earth. In one of his parables, Jesus likened the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, to a mustard seed. Matthew chapter 13, verse number 31 and verse 32, they read like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. Watch this. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. Notice this. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nest in its branches. Now, we've always looked at that and said, well, if I've got enough faith like this, but I want us to look beyond that, the the faith You see, what do you think the farmer was thinking when he, when he planted the mustard seed? I mean, what do you think he was thinking when he put it in the ground? He, he was probably thinking, you know, well, I like mustard. I mean, I want some mustard on my hot dog. And, and so, you know, he was probably thinking if I plant a mustard seed, I'm going to get a mustard tree. Or, or maybe he was thinking if I, if I plant this, that I'll be able to sell the seed and, and sell the mustard uh, and I'll be able to bless my family. But I highly doubt that it had anything to do with the birds of the air finding a place to nest. I mean, I really don't think that it had anything to do with that. I, I think that that probably never crossed the farmer's mind. You see, when we plant certain shrubs, we are thinking curb appeal or, or trees. We are thinking fruit or, or blossoms. But we rarely think of the other results of the planting. We rarely think of what's going to happen when I do this. You know we don't think about the birds that are going to come nest or the the, the, the the critters that might live among those shrubs, but there's a result there's an unintended consequence. Well, it's the same with seeds of faith. You never know where it will branch. You never know who your faith is going to bless. You never know with what you're standing for right now who's going to be ministered to, who's going to receive from that. You don't have a clue what God's wanting to do through you, but your faith is going to have consequences. And many of those consequences are going to work for your ultimate good. You see, it's beyond our ability to guess what's going to happen when we sow seeds of faith. But according to God's promise, according to the word of the living God, the results will be greater than we can ever ask or imagine. You see, this is faith. This is faith at its very core. This faith will initiate actions that will result in results we never set out to accomplish. God's looking for somebody that he can show himself strong for. God's looking for somebody that he can bless. God's looking for somebody that he can pour out his spirit upon. And and he wants to do that for you. And what it's going to take is you being willing in the middle of circumstances that you don't have any clue how it's going to work for your good, that you're going to just plant your feet and say, God, I trust you this is good i don't know why i'm here and i don't know why i'm going through this but this is good and god is still able to fulfill his promise you see the scripture is is letting us know that according to god's promise the results of our faith are going to be greater than we can ask or imagine that is faith at its core folks Faith will initiate actions that will result in results we never set out to accomplish. You see, God is preparing good works in advance. God is orchestrating divine appointments in the way only he can do. You see, birds nest in the branches of that tree. But there are blessings that want to nest in your branch. There are opportunities that want to nest in your branches, and the only way that you're ever going to be able to have that moment, to capture that moment, to walk in those those opportunities is when you honor God. Listen to me carefully. When you honor God by planting that seed of faith that I don't know why I am where I am, but bless God, I will honor him here. And as you honor God there, as as you please God there, as you do the will of God there, Get ready, get ready, because opportunities of blessings are going to nest in your branches. You see, the end thereof, only the Lord knows, only God knows. In living our God-given purpose will not be easy, and rarely will it be painless, but we are blessed. We are blessed by the favor of God. We are blessed by the hand of God, and God wants us to begin to walk Forward, knowing that whatever it is we're facing, I mean, you ought to just look at if you look at somebody next time you're you're facing something. like this is good. You know, my my wife was knew where I was going with this, and and as we were driving home from an opportunity recently, uh, you know, we were just every time we turned, we were getting caught by lights and obstacles and wrecks, and all these things were happening around us, and we were just being deterred on every moment. And and I I looked at my wife and I said I said this is good. This is good. Not that I was enjoying a single moment of it, but I said, there's something God is doing. I don't I don't know what lays down the road. I don't know what opportunities are down the road, but I, I do know this. My God is working for our good. How many of you know we serve a good God this morning? Our God is faithful and just and true. You see, sometimes we face results and we find ourselves wondering, where is the good? Where is the good from this circumstance? There's nothing good about the bad things people do. There's there's nothing good about the abuse that you received, the injustice that came into your life, the betrayal that happened at the friend's uh, hand. This doesn't negate those things, but rather promises to use it for your good and God's glory. It promises to honor God. You see, I want to thank God for my pain. You see, you can come to a place in your own life that you can thank God for your pain. I read a story just recently of a a little girl by the name of Tanya. And Tanya was born and she went through normal birth process. And as she began to grow at about 18 months of age, she was diagnosed with a horrible, horrible uh, condition. Tanya's mother approached her one day in her in her high chair in her playpen, and as she approached, little Tanya was covered with blood, and Tanya had literally bitten the the end of her finger off, and was was sitting there with the this blood soaked environment, and the mother, of course, terrified. They take little Tanya and they take her to. All of the the different tests and they discover she has a rare, rare condition that prevents her from feeling pain. Tanya's life without pain has been so destroyed that within just a few years, she had rendered herself almost immobile. She had broken her ankles and her knees and her arms and, and all these things so many times. Eventually... Within about three and a half years, her father fled from the family. The mother, broken hearted, all because what many of us pray for, Tanya experiences. You see, many of us pray for no pain. God, don't let me feel this hurt anymore. Don't let me feel this pain anymore. There are people listening to me right now that you've been crying out, "Oh God, oh God, oh God, please deliver me from this pain." But it's the pain. That lets you know you're alive. It's the pain that comes into your life. Not God sends pain into your life, but it's the pain that, when you know you've been betrayed, when you know you've been hurt, it's the it's the pain that lets you know that this is not normal. And this is where not some, uh, the place that God created you for. It's it's the pain. So instead of despising our pain, the pain lets us know that there is something better. And the promise behind the pain tells us that whatever pain the enemy has sent into your life, whatever problems that that the enemy has sent to your life, that our God is greater. Our God is stronger. And our God says, I will turn this for your good. I will use whatever pain has come against you and I will turn it for your good. See, Romans eight twenty eight becomes a prism through which we can view our present circumstances with confidence in God's promise. When you believe all things work together for your good, it redefines the bad things, the things that have happened in your life. The worst day of your life can turn into the best day of your life. See, this truth gives us a quiet confidence that everything is going to be all right. In fact, whatever I'm facing is going to end up better than where I am right now. This prism gives us the surety that our hindsight will celebrate grace we never expected. This truth. This powerful, powerful truth that God is saying, trust me, in spite of your pain, trust me, in spite of where you feel like you have spent far too long. You may be in a situation like Joseph, that it looks like it's getting worse and you've been doing the right thing, but trust God. He will turn this for your good. God has a promise for you. God has a blessing for you. You know, I'm reminded of an old African folk story. This story is about a king, and and this king and his friend were out hunting. You know, this king and this young friend of his, they they literally grown up together. They had been childhood best friends, and so when the prince would then ascend his father and, and become the king, he brought his childhood best friend along as his most trusted confidant. This friend had a way of always encouraging the king, and in every circumstance, this this friend would say, this is good. This is good. And one day, the, the king replied to his friend, why do you always say this is good? And the friend said, because they're, they're, this is good. It's always going to work for our good. So, after some time, the King and this friend are they're out, and they're on one of their adventures and and they're they're hunting and this 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 friend of the King, it is his job as the Assistant to the King to load the firearm for the king and The King fired the gun, but it had been overloaded, and the gun exploded, and it blew off the King's thumb, as was his habit. After the chaos of the moment, the friend looked at the king and said, Well, this is good. This is good. To which the king replied, This is not good. And he had his friend thrown into prison. A year later, the king was out hunting with his friend. Another friend. And suddenly, the king is captured by another tribe. A tribe of cannibals. They take the king back to their village. They tie him to the stake, preparing for their rituals. And he thought to himself, as he heard the words of his old friend, this is good. He said, no, this is not good. But just before lighting the fire, one of the cannibals noticed that the king's thumb was missing. And according to the tribal tradition, they would never eat anyone who wasn't whole, so they set him free. You see, if they ate him, then that part of who he wasn't would come to them, and they believed that they would lose something from their life. So as the king looks at his hand as he's walking from the village, he realizes that his missing thumb was what spared his life. And immediately he thought of his friend with whom he had been cross and where he was sitting in prison. He said to his friend after he brought him out of prison, He said, You were right. He said, It is good that my thumb was blown off. And I'm sorry for sending you to jail. It was not good. To which his friend replied, No. This is good. The king still didn't understand. He said, what do you mean? It has not been good that I sent my best friend to jail for a year. But the friend insisted, oh, no, this is good. If I hadn't been in jail, I would have been with you. And my thumb is not missing. You know, I I'm thankful. I'm thankful that our God can even use our pain. Some of you are going through some things right now as we prepare to close today. You're going through some things. You're hurting. You don't know why you're going through them. I want you to understand something. It's probably not the result of the hand of God that you were there. But God can use that pain. God can use that problem. God can even use that diagnosis. One of my dear friends, he'll tell you that the diagnosis he received of cancer was one of the best things that ever happened in his life because God brought him through with a new perspective and he was able to see the good hand of a good God in the entire process. God's speaking to you today. You see, the key to this is making the distinction between immediate good and ultimate good. I don't believe that this verse promises immediate good all the time. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. There are going to be moments. You know, we're sitting there going, oh, no, this can't be happening. God's word's not true. I, I'm going through something. No. God said, all things will work together for your good. That it may be like Joseph. You're just wanting to get home. But God's wanting to do something great through you that will help others be saved. You see, the guarantee, however, is this. God will use even the worst things that happen for your ultimate good and his ultimate glory. And I'm thankful today that our God has made all that we have faced work for our good. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your love and for your blessings and for your wisdom. And I ask you today that you'll speak to all of those that have heard this message Speak to them and help them, O God, to honor you and to please you. And Father, right now in the middle of their pain, Father, when they're just wanting to go back to the way things were, I pray that you will give them a glimpse of what is ahead. And for that one that hears the sound of my voice, that's been looking for a reason to trust, a reason to believe, And all they can see is all the pain and the problems that have kept them from believing. I pray today that right now they will understand that ahead of them with Christ are promises that Christ is able to fulfill the Christ who looked death, hell and the grave, right in the face and defeated them. The Christ who died on the cross, but three days later, A rose and power and life wants to come alive in them. And if you're here this morning and you'd like to give your life to that Christ, I want to pray with you now. Or maybe you're listening to me today or maybe you've joined us via television today. And you say, I want to give my life to Christ as well. Let's pray this prayer of faith. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Christ was risen from the dead and that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we would be born again. So let's pray this prayer of faith right now together. Jesus, I confess my sins. I am a man who is flawed and failed. You see my past, my present, and my future. I give it all to you. Forgive me by the blood that Jesus Christ shed for the remission of my sins. And in Jesus' name, I trust and I believe in the promises of God. That by faith, I am forgiven. That by faith, God is my Father. Heaven is my home. And Jesus is my Savior. In Jesus' name, A man and a man.